Welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some not-really-fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy-adjacent stuff sure. uh, with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy-adjacent stuff today. <laughs> Um, we are hard at work reading the Farseer trilogy right now. That third book is just way longer than the other two. So a behemoth indeed. Um, you know, some of us have finished reading it, but others of us are still working on it, and that's okay. We don't yeah. want to rush anybody. We won't say any names. It won't say any names. Some of us kept on a pretty good even reading schedule, and some of us fell a little behind to indulge yeah. other reading projects some but... of us disappeared for an entire week <laughs> <laughs> but we're not gonna name any names not gonna name any names you know there's you know things going on on both sides but that's okay because we're enjoying we're that series we're savoring it and meanwhile we're back and we're back today to talk about something that we both randomly read like we didn't plan to read it around the same time we just both happened to have read this book within close proximity to each other and while we're giving ourselves more time to read farseer it's like hey we both read this book we could do a book discussion on it and it's not exactly a fantasy series it's not a fantasy series at all but a very popular literary fiction book called tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle zevin yeah and you know, we're here to talk about stuff that's relevant to fans of fantasy. And mm-hmm. We are friends talking fantasy. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're going to do this in sort of framing of should fantasy fans read tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Because mm-hmm. if you're like me, a lot of times you get caught up in your sff fantasy little science fiction reading and uh, you can almost forget that there's all of these books out there that are not in either of those (laughs) genres and it's like you hear about these capital f fiction books coming out that everyone's talking about but then you're like but I'm a fantasy reader, and <laughs> you don't end up picking that up. I mean, it's possible you're a super diverse reader and all that, and you already read this, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely, even for years, I would like hardly pick up anything that wasn't SFF. So I ended up loving this book, as did you, Charles, and I think that it's, uh, it's a great moment for us to be able to... Uh, Talk about the extent to which this is a good fit for all of you awesome fantasy fans out there. For sure. I mean, we are all, everyone listening and everyone recording right now, are lovers of the fantasy genre. But, you know, we we love just storytelling as a whole. And it's rare when a book like this gains so much notoriety that maybe something more niche in the fantasy genre has a hard time reaching uh, and and then has a broad, broader appeal and is catered to a mass mass audience of people not just avid readers but you know people Jimmy who, Fallon Jimmy Fallon <laughs> not just audiences. avid readers yeah. but Jimmy Fallon <laughs> be, as and well. people who watch Jimmy <laughs> Fallon you know so it, it's kind of wild that you get a book like that and you know this was a New York Times bestseller obviously but a Goodreads Choice Award for best winner for best fiction back last year in 2022 and it's kind of just stayed in the zeitgeist and i've had people recommend this to me they know that i like to read and Mm -hmm. they're like oh have you read this and i think it's an easy recommendation because something that's also kind of rare i mean there's new york times bestsellers every day and goodreads choice awards winners every year but what's interesting about this book is that it's a lot about video games and forming friendships over video games so i think everyone that knows me maybe even at the most base level knows that i enjoy video games quite a bit so you've got like you know my my mom and just co-workers being like hey, you like video games right have you read this and so that's happened enough times that i was happy to to pick it up 
And that to me is one of the more interesting things about it. And I think that's why, you know, when we talk about is this right for fantasy readers, like how do we bridge that gap from fantasy to like this massive literary fiction phenomenon and and what we can kind of branch out and enjoy from this book. And for me, that was the start of it. And let's be real here. Is there any greater fantasy than like starting a video game company with your friend in college and becoming massively successful? I mean, what better fantasy is there than that? Hmm. Yeah. The only thing that I can think of is starting a fantasy podcast with your lifelong mm. friend. And uh, <laughs> if only. Uh, or finding out you're a chosen one and getting to like ride a dragon and use magic and stuff. Yeah. And you're, you have, but like, that seems more realistic. Vast than... wealth in Diagon Alley that you could just. <laughs> yeah. Just but all of that is more realistic <laughs> than making uh, massive riches as a fantasy podcaster. Let's be real. But, but massive anyway, riches as a I... video game developer is pretty close. That's it's possible. Close. Mm-hmm. But it's possible. Uh, there's, there's precedent. And mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> that's uh, true. <laughs> I I ought to mention I've also had this book recommended to me, uh, not necessarily from the perspective of like, hey, you like video games, which I do, of course. Mm-hmm. And Charles and I have many fond memories of, uh, yeah, <laughs> like every weekend going to Charles's house and playing Super hours Smash Bros. With yeah, <laughs> with. <laughs> with our other lifelong friend and uh, co-host of Charles's Vanity Project, Roger Roger, a Star Wars podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Derek. And we, yeah, we love video games. We've played a preposterous amount. But I've had it recommended to me, actually, through more of the lens of, hey, you really like fantasy, right? You're nerdy. Well, video games are nerdy. Read this book. <laughs> I just assumed you liked video I, games. It's like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that is offensive, but you are right. <laughs> so That is offensive, but who's the author? <laughs> How do you spell it? How do you spell it? No, like, so I yeah. can look this up and, and bookmark it. Yeah. And that was done to me that I was... A victim of the stereotype that nerdy <laughs> fantasy readers also like video games, but I'm going to take all of that pain and lash out and and put it on you, our listeners, by saying you probably like video games too. <laughs> so, yeah, we're assuming let's, most let's of you really probably good. do, and that's kind of to me the most interesting thing about this book is that it's about two people who have forged a relationship like over their mutual like interest in video games and as two people who have also formed their own relationship uh over video games and are still friends you know decades later it is kind of a fun read for me and and it and it was one that I was really interested in and I think it's very successful because of its accurate portrayal I feel like now that we're in you know the 2020s we're in a time period where we can kind of write nostalgia around video games i feel like 20 years ago it was like video games were still new enough and rising in popularity enough that you know obviously people have been writing about video games all this time but this to me was the first time where it's like wow we can like write almost like this realistic literary fantasy you know uh, fiction based in reality about the video game world and we can pull on that nostalgia and we can pull on those references and then age them up to modern day. And that was a really fascinating, like, new experience for me to read about an area that I'm so intimately knowledgeable of and it's part of my own life to, to watch that be story being told. I guess these are like Gen X kids kind of growing up playing Super Mario Bros. Yeah. And then kind of aging them up to about the early 2000s so I don't know, it was kind of interesting to see that progression and it was kind of a new vein of fiction for me anyway that i really enjoyed yeah it's there's a quote on the back of the book that hopefully i can find here it's uh yeah there's Sorry, I'm I'm we're, blowing it right now. A lot, lot of dead air going on here. <laughs> That's it's, 
yeah, someone someone described it as like is there such a thing as like the great American video game novel? Because <laughs> if so, I, I think that she's done it with this book. And Interesting. I, I swear it's on the back of the book and there's not that many. Oh yeah. Okay. Nathan Hill, author of the Nick says, is there such a thing as a great American gamer novel? Because if not, I believe Gabrielle Zevin just invented it. And that is <laughs> right. uh, pretty accurate. And it does read kind of like where you have to read stories in junior high about like life on the prairie. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> it's like we, we're now reading about kids trying to hit the top of the flagpole in Super Mario Bros. You know, it's kind of where we Yeah, progress. life on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> life on the or- Oh, I see. There you go. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. See, you, that's why you belong here, man. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Which does play, uh, Oregon Trail does play a very key role in all of this. But we won't get into that because this is a spoiler-free episode, or at least it will be until we'll give you a warning in the last, like, five minutes or so. Yeah, we might dabble Charles in reacting to some of the major spoilery moments at the end, but we will keep the spoiler-free. It's more of a recommendation episode anyway. Um, yeah. So we'll just keep that going for people. But yeah, you're just so right. I'll say that uh, part of what inspires us to get into the idea in the last five minutes or so of reacting to these big events is that I would say the way that this novel is able to have like huge, emotionally even devastating at times events that hit you hard like i think that's something that will really reach fantasy fans well like this is extremely entertaining is a good word for a lot of it but also it just will hit you in the feels and these uh you don't think of a novel about two friends creating video games together as having huge moments like that Mm -hmm. and even things that are exhilarating and stuff it's uh, it's much bigger than just two friends creating video games it's about their lives and these huge things that happen to people over the course of a life and uh, there's moments that feel as big as any epic fantasy battle that you're going to read in terms of your own emotional investment in what's happening and uh, yeah it is a great fit for fans of fantasy in the sense that like there's a lot more uh yeah but like big events or uh, big happenings and you might be thinking like when i first picked up this book i was like oh so it's a book about friendship and video games which appeals to me but it's also got drama and oh uh, for sure one of the things that I've learned is like when you have a book like this, whose audience is what I call mass appeal, millions and millions and millions of people, Jimmy Fallon level kind of. (laughs) She was on Fallon. The author was on there. Yes. When you're you're catering to not just people that, you know, really love Tolkien and want a modern voice in fantasy, but you're now catering to all of America, you know, coast to coast kind of appeal. Like, yes, she's writing a really interesting story about video games. But I think to get to that next level that Gabrielle Zevin has gotten to, you also need to bring home a lot of these larger themes because, you know, video games can you know, kind of turn some people off. You know, it's like, I don't want to read a book about video games. I don't like, I don't care about that. But she, she gets through that because she's telling an honest story about relationships. And let's be real here. There is a lot of juicy drama in this i kind of compare it to like days of our lives you know where it's like any kind of dramatic thing short of like evil twin kind of scenario happens (laughs) in this story and so it's just juicy and not only is it juicy because that makes it imply that there's it's like a pulp book which it's really not It, it takes a really interesting literary focus on a lot of different themes some of my favorites are you know sexism in academia sexism in video games and science and you know toxic relationships as well those to me are very very strong but she also just 
expands to talk about pretty much everything. It's really interesting <laughs> to see how she does not hold back on talking about every sort of major emotional kind of feeling and weave it as a theme into this book. And so that's why I can see it just breaks through. It's not just something like, hey, you like video games, read this. And no, it's like, hey, you like a story about a modern story about, you know, two friends and their complicated lives. And it's like, oh yeah, who doesn't want to read that? You know, and that's how you get to that's how you get to failing levels. Yeah. And I think that every once in a while you read a book and you're like, this is a novel for our current times. And mm. this is one that is going to dive into tons of big issues relevant to what's going on now. And it doesn't give easy answers about any of those things. In fact, I would say mm-hmm. where this book is strongest is probably in its willingness to sit in a lot of the complications, especially because the characters are so, like, they vividly realized they are Charles. Mm -hmm. I would say they're all so complicated. There are no heroes. There are no villains. It's almost like uh, what fantasy fans might be familiar with in the trend toward morally gray characters. Mm Because... Every single character from our main two protagonists to even the characters are like very clearly not good people and doing some of the <laughs> the bad stuff in this novel. Then they have their moments where it's like, oh, wow, like this guy's being pretty decent in this moment. And he's actually the only person that seems to be reacting to this in a right. reasonable way. <laughs> right, like, right. And meanwhile, that was the character that was doing some pretty horrible stuff that we don't agree <laughs> with, but uh, right. earlier in the novel. So it's sure. like, uh, I, I think that, a, it's just really great when you get these real feeling characters, even when all of these uh, days of our lives style <laughs> events are happening to them. They manage right. to, st- they never feel cartoonish. The characters are so real feeling. Mm-hmm. And to also appeal to all you, uh, I, I hesitate to say grimdark fantasy fans because it's yeah. that's a, maybe a step too far, but uh, fans of complicated characters who are morally gray and i would say right even like joe abercrombie fans like those complicated character study type moments mm-hmm. or robin hobb fans we're reading farseer sure. trilogy right now and Absolutely. the way that you get a character study almost like nothing else i've read uh, of the character right. study of fifth chivalry in robin hobb's farseer trilogy right it's like that in the way mm-hmm. that you want to become intimately familiar with our especially our two main characters uh, sam mm-hmm. and sadie and oh yeah and how story. easy would it have been to write a version of the story it's like oh it's about friendship in video games where she's like the quirky gamer girl yeah. and he's like the shy awkward nerd and they get together and then they have a falling out and then they you know instead um gabrielle seven chooses a more dramatic approach and there's a lot of honesty in that and like you said we're reading farsi or robin hobb is not afraid to make her character unlikable at times and make wrong choices and fail sometimes and this book is about a friendship that spans 30 years more and from like freshmen in college to full-on adults and so there's a lot of history between them and further back to experience from oh yeah yeah childhood right so you get their whole entire story and warts and all, essentially. And I think that's that kind of distinction we're trying to say here is that it's not just like this chosen one, like can't do no wrong, everything's great. It's like, no, this is an honest, real relationship here. And it's not a relationship necessarily in the sense that there's a meet cute and they fall in love and they have a, you know, whatever big gesture where they get together at the end. But it's more messy. Or do they? Or do they? (laughs) But you know what I mean in terms of like, it's not like there's that. It's not like a rom-com is what I'm trying to say, where they have that big cutesy moment. No, it doesn't follow the normal beats. Right, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't follow the beats of that. And 
I believe, yeah, this story, it's interesting. At times it is described as a love story. And uh, so let's say another back of the book quote here from Rebecca. I'm not familiar with this author, so apologies if I'm mispronouncing anything. Rebecca Surly, Searle, uh, author of In Five Years. And uh, they described it, they said, it is a book about the intersection between love and friendship, work and vocation, and the impossible and relentless pull of our own westbound destinies. And uh, yeah, they go on to say that Zevin is one of our greatest living novelists. And this just <laughs> may be her magnum opus. Woo. And that's, that is high praise. But anyway, going back, yeah, themes of love, intersection between love and friendship and the, and the way that love is explored in this novel is very different and way more complicated than you would find in a you know, I don't want trash rom-coms, but, you know, they tend to oh, follow a certain different formula. Kinds of stories, and they tend to be you more, know? Yeah. you know, superficial. That's, in fact, part of what people are, are looking for is a little bit more of usually the, the base and you all know that they'll get together at the end. This is going to leave you not knowing what's going to happen the whole way through in terms of anything to do with love. And I'll I'll leave it at that. Right, right. And it's not to say, not dissing anything about rom-coms, it's a different kind of book. Like, this is a drama, 100%. Yeah. Um, but what makes rom drama. rom drama. yeah. I don't know if I would describe it as that either. Just a rom-com, but... It... <laughs> mm. A rom There are funny moments in it. There are, for certain. And there's a lot of fun moments, too. Like, I loved all that as a... As a gamer, I myself, I, I enjoyed all. <laughs> Charles of the is video always game starting conversations and, and sentences with that. As a gamer, yeah. as a gamer myself, <laughs> but uh, you know some of the references were a bit older. But I know the history. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I know my history, uh, and um, yeah, it was great. It was fun. I like to think I picked up on most of them. You could tell that Gabrielle Zevin definitely um, had a big love and affinity towards video games and video game development and stuff like that so that was a really fun part to read but then when you get into the drama unlike something like days of your lives where it's just like the most traumatic stuff you could think of just to entertain you she does weave in these like literary themes and stuff like that and um you know there's there's one quote that i don't think is a spoiler that kind of explains all that and it's very short where it's um what is a game, Mark said. It's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. It's the possibility of infinite rebirth, infinite redemption. The idea that if you keep playing, you could win. No loss is permanent because nothing is permanent ever. Which is a great line. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. I, and yeah, like, it is a great line. And I think that does a great job of illustrating where... You can think about games in a superficial manner and it's just mindless fun or in a book like this that approaches it more almost philosophically, you get moments like that, which is like, why do people at the deepest level like video games? Right, right. Really thoughtful. Are video games in an escape? Is it a form of expression? Is it a way for two people who can't really communicate really well to still form a bond and a friendship? You know, like what are those things like? You know, the very first scene is, you know, a kid in the hospital and he hasn't talked. And the only thing that really gets him to open mm-hmm. up is sitting next to someone and playing Super Mario and showing them how to get to the top of the flagpole. And it's this idea of like, they never really talked about their experiences or got to know each other, but they did still somehow get to open up and connect. And it's those kind of intricacies that... Um, Gabriel Zevin is able to kind of weave in where it's not just talking about video games like oh we made a video game reference isn't that crazy but um, (laughs) to actually use it as the glue for a relationship is really the winning point here and something that's very hard to do and I think that that's why so many people are like championing her as like this is a great novel she's a novelist this is fantastic because she's she understands themes and character development in a way where she's able to take something like video games and not take the temptation route of just uh, you know easter egg reference all the time which there certainly are in here but she takes it to that next level of 
No, here's how you can take these theories of loss and redemption and the cyclical nature of life plus video games. You know, it's very interesting to do that. And I think that's why people are calling her like a modern American novelist, you know, because she's doing the great American video game novel. Because when you think of uh, like Ready Player One or something, you know, it's not quite the same. That's a video game book that's. That people love and feeds on nostalgia, but I think very few would go on to call that the great American gamer novel because it is a little bit more let's have fun with these references and uh, tell an exciting story with tons of action. And and this is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is extremely exciting, but it doesn't lean on big action sequences. And it's a little, I, I would say it goes into greater depth uh with its its exploration of video games <laughs> like, right. and right that is an interesting thing to do and it, and something that i'm sure lots of fantasy fans and and i know charles and i can relate to so much i reference the idea that we used to charles derek and i used to go over to charles's place and just play super smash bros for hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours just about every weekend and the level of bond that we were all able to form i mean doing that we got so much closer by being united through a pretty silly game yeah (laughs) and it's uh, yeah and it's something that uh, laid the foundation for a friendship where charles and i many years later are here (laughs) doing a fancy <laughs> podcast together and sure. uh, you know we were just uh, two groomsmen over at Derek's wedding not that <laughs> long ago so right. it's uh, it's a kind of thing that I'm sure a lot of fancy fans can relate to developing relationships uh, over video games and uh, this captures that in a way i've never seen before and mm-hmm. we may never see again <laughs> i don't know maybe right. we'll see it again <laughs> no I, I, it, and that's well said because yeah i think there's a lot of us now in like 2020 who have very similar stories to dylan Dirk and i of like using this kind of media as a way to form a bond and there's something more unspoken happening between building a relationship doing something like playing a video game than actually that has anything to do with the game itself and then as you get older and like the dramas of life happen how that could affect uh, your relationships with people so yeah i think any fantasy fan can appreciate that you know that certainly the thematic development and the character development are things that you could easily kind of transfer if you're a video game fan which let's be honest most of you probably are then there's something here that you could definitely enjoy and and take in as well so like a lot of really interesting things for fantasy fans to kind of dive into and kind of broaden their horizons for and it's a new york times bestseller and a goodreads winner for best fiction how how wrong can you go i mean it's kind of long at 400 pages but for us fantasy fans that's like below average like we can crank this out (laughs) you know like that's nothing i see some people on goodreads being like it's so long at 400 pages and i'm like that is long tell me you're not a fantasy fan without telling (laughs) me you're not a fantasy fan exactly so like you guys can crank this out no problem (laughs) in between your malazans and your chihuahua killers you know we're reading a book that's like 40 hours long audiobook where this was like 20 and not even so you know it's like that kind of disparity is something that you can appreciate as a fantasy fan for sure that's true it is funny how for those of us who are reading lots of epic fantasy it becomes like oh it's a nice palette cleanser to read a book that's only 390 something almost 400 pages it's like oh wow it's a real quick read and and it is it moves so quickly you know i i read a lot before bed as Mm. kind of a wind down activity and I know I'm really in love with a book when I end up like, oh, no, now this book is making me not able to sleep rather right. than this book is helping me kind of wind yeah. down and get right. to sleep. 
And this was one where I was like, oh no, like this is this is trouble. <laughs> I could see that. So I, I could staying see up, that yeah. For sure. I was staying All those up really late. Moments happening where you're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, gotta know what happens next. So mm. it's it is a phenomenal book in general, and I, and I and I think a good read, uh, which I don't want to say now because it's Goodreads, uh, a <laughs> great read <laughs> for. <laughs> fans of fantasy in in many ways i i think it's also oh what's kind of funny is a parallel between building video games and world building which i would say oh yeah kind of shows up because you're seeing them it's almost like in the same way that fantasy authors world build and were, were often very interested to hear what was going on in their heads behind why they created certain things. I mean, we've had a million conversations with authors about, mm. oh, hey, yeah, what was going on in your head when you were uh, thinking through creating yeah, this Yeah, your influences, what and, you wanted to do different, like yeah. who were you kind of inspired by that kind of stuff for sure yeah and you get the behind the scenes of that when they're creating these video games and i think of the process when they're trying to create their first video game and they're kind of doing it out of their figurative garage uh not not a literal garage but you know that kind of startup style and they're having these conversations of how do we create this world and they they do that with numerous other video games over the course of novels they didn't want their characters you know they didn't want to put a gender on their character and they wanted to use japanese influence and and all these other things pulling on some of what they wanted to see in video games at the time you know one of them being like a woman at MIT in like the eighties or yeah. something. So you're like, okay, you can kind of see how that world building kind of mentality is brought into building a world for a video game. And it's, you know, written really well and, you know, they're creating a whole lore. And then the success of that game carries on into for decades, you know, into their relationship mm-hmm. and, and and how they make new worlds or sequels or you know stuff like that which is definitely within the uh, fantasy lexicon for sure <laughs> definitely and some of the games are basically fantasy <laughs> in in themselves so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a pretty easy fit for fantasy fans to you get a little bit more of like behind the scenes rather than being entrenched in the actual fantasy aspects of it, like the fantasy world yourself. But you know, most fantasy fans have some interest in the process of world building, and you get you get some of that for sure when they're creating their video games. I mean, I think of even a moment where there's uh, people creating a video game, and they want to work with a. Uh, you know a company and the people working at the company are like uh, okay so this game they're like vampire zombies it's like all right well they're gonna have to choose either vampires or zombies or something like yeah. that and you right. think of that almost as like a someone writing a fantasy novel is like all right like i don't know can people handle vampire zombies <laughs> or is that a good pitch is that like a weird cross of <laughs> of right, subgenre right. here <laughs> and uh, definitely reminds me of the kind of conversations that uh, folks are still having today. Although I think today we're way more accepting of just <laughs> wacky stuff yeah. like that, <laughs> where the idea of like, oh, vampire zombies would be right. probably also, yeah. more likely considered something that like people would be excited about over just your plain old zombies that we've done a million times. But For yeah, sure. this book most but of also it takes like the implications of making an artistic choice is like great. Now it's we're right. underwater. How did you animate that? Like how do you show right. this blood bursting in this way or in that way? <laughs> like we'll have to make a whole engine just on water <laughs> physics. You know, like that kind of stuff. And you're like, right. oh interesting. Like if you want to make it rain, if they want to be like in a storm, you know, you know those kind of things. You're like, oh interesting. Like we, we we've had very similar conversations with authors about that in the past for sure, um, mm-hmm. yeah no I'm you know the other interesting thing you know to read this you know, us fantasy people we love our film adaptations and it, it might be a while now given all the strikes going on in in Hollywood but uh, last year Paramount Pictures did purchase the film rights for two million dollars. And they're, you know, mm. working with, you know, Zevin is writing the script right now. So who knows? We, we might get 
some kind of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow film or show or something in the next five to ten years maybe hopefully we'll see um depending on how long the strike goes on for but yeah it's just another reason to to dive in you know the the only other thing should we carve out some time for a spoiler warning and just react to a couple things there's a couple things i just wanted to we haven't talked about this book yet and i thought it might be fun to just kind of react to some of these big yeah like, whoa moments you know I... yeah let's uh, let's put a knot on this mm-hmm. uh, this conversation of what should fantasy fans read or would they like whatever we're calling this uh yeah. tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow uh they say put a knot they say put a bow don't they put a bow on this i know what you I'm meant you did sure. say put a knot yeah. and i was like okay let's not let's double knot it up. double knot <laughs> <laughs> let's double knot yeah, this bad well, boy yeah yeah let's, yeah. <laughs> let's velcro this together uh, and <laughs> yeah the shoe that is this conversation let's just make it velcro and uh snap okay. that and anyway let's uh <laughs> let's I, i'm sorry i've lost my way i you know i wish you made edits to these episodes but <laughs> no i know that this whole thing want, man so should yeah, fantasy fans read to... tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow? Yes. If anything we said <laughs> sounds interesting to you, then yes. If none of it sounds interesting, you don't have to read it. That's fine. But we both read it. We both enjoyed it. We both recommend it. Um, great character work. Great thematic development. Great use of video games as a thematic device, which is, is just very rare nothing quite like it i haven't read anything quite like it you know it's like little house on the prairie except instead of the prairie it's stardew valley and super mario bros <laughs> mm. yeah ain't that the truth yeah, i'll double down should fancy fans read this book yeah everyone should right why not but sure. fancy fans in particular i think for all the reasons that we've mentioned previously um Meaning the overlap between fantasy fans, video game fans, the vividly realized characters uh, that are morally gray, even if they're not really often dealing with like huge war related decisions or anything like that Mm -hmm. in the way that many fantasy characters are. They're still living their lives in ways that feel so, so human and uh, the they're flawed in ways that we tend to enjoy from modern fantasy. There's no mm-hmm. clear heroes, no clear villains. And I think that the world-building aspects that we've talked about, she's also got fantastic voice, I'll say, which we didn't really get into, but uh, she has a very unique writing style. She makes some yes. interesting creative choices. That Yes, uh, she really yeah, swings are, for the fences. Yeah, so I think that fantasy fans will feel at home reading a book like this mm-hmm. even if it's uh, not strictly in the well, it's not all in the fantasy genre that's well said yeah there are a lot of big swings that may be more commonplace in fantasy like changing up the liter like the narrative style as dramatically as you know gabriel zevin does in this book that yeah it's a great it's another great parallel for sure she definitely she goes for it for everything yeah there's not a lot left on the table that she didn't kind of try and swing for in this book and yeah. succeeded in. So, well said. Mm-hmm. You too, Charles. Shall we get into some spoilers here? I'm going Let's to... get into it. Yeah. Give a spoiler warning. It feels kind of weird for this one. But yeah, we're about to have a no holds barred, like five minute conversation <laughs> about Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow by Gabriel Seven. So mm. if you haven't yet read the book, if anything we said earlier sounds appealing, go pick it up. It's such a great read. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, then come back and listen to these last five minutes or so because there's just certain things that we feel like we have to react to and have to discuss because like Charles said, we haven't had any of these conversations yet. Yeah. So we're getting into it now. So if you're, 
fumbled it for your phone. Like you've, if, for those of you that haven't read it, we're done here. Thank you so much. We're not gonna like come back later and yeah. and talk about more spoiler free stuff. We're done. For those of you that have read the book or are still interested in our spoiler takes, even if you haven't, we're yeah. getting into it now. You've had your time to yeah. try. And, and those of you that were doing dishes and had to dry <laughs> your hands and all that before <laughs> pause, I think we've given you enough time. So. I think so too. Like seriously, guys, we're really about to get into some spoiler scenes here. Like you know, I don't. You know, some things that you just want to go in blind for. So like, just this is it. You know, we're getting into it right now. So one of the things, Dylan, that kind of my only dare I say criticism of wow, this. Starting book, with the criticism. Go well, it's it. not. We really, just lauded it for a while. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, I really like this book, so it's not really a criticism, but it's the closest thing to a criticism that I'm gonna have, and it's that she really, you know, went for a lot in terms of the drama, right? I mean, it's like you've got people in comas, you've got 9/11s, you've got shootings, you've got all this other crazy stuff happening, and there's a times that I'm like, man, she's really juice in the drama you know there's certain themes that she nailed really well like i loved all of the stuff when they were in college and all the sexism and then the toxic relationships and things like that charles loved the sexism well it was just a really great (laughs) depiction of depiction of it yeah i mean it was really good because you know it, it it i don't like sexism at all on it but it was a great depiction of it and especially in something like the video game industry and mit and um just science and engineering in general and the predatory behavior of one of her professors it it all weaved in super super well and then on the other side you have the other character who has like disability and stuff like that that i thought was weaved in super well too and then like the second half of the book when they aged them up it kind of gets a little crazy in terms of like all the crazy, crazy drama that goes on in their lives. And I don't know what you felt about some of these things, but I was like, wow, we're really now in a soap opera level of drama at the back half of this book. You know, rarely are people's lives this exciting. Yeah, that's fair. It's it would be a very unusually eventful uh, in a a mostly traumatic way uh, life for someone to live but people do live lives that are like this so it's yeah but it would be an outlier for sure I mean in the sense that uh, she I don't know it's tough I'm mixed on this Charles because I think part of her including everything was what had me staying up really late at night needing to mm. read more like when mm. marks got shot and like is this guy yeah. seriously gonna die yeah like it just didn't feel like and that like kind of book and suddenly it's like this guy got shooting sh- because yeah. they had a gay character in the video game and that made the person yeah. angry and they just wanted to shoot up the um the well i think it was like, what? the guy was really mad like, obviously, he was being homophobic and stuff, but he was really yeah, mad yeah. because of the fact that his wife or, or Girlfriend someone, or like, met someone on the game and, like, got married to them in the game and ended up, yeah. like, leaving them. So they were definitely, like, racist and homophobic people, but what pushed them to the shooting, I think, was uh, was that extra push. Yeah, but she does it's, try to weave in that a little bit, and she does successfully do it, but to me it was, like... We're doing a lot here. Do we really need like a school shooting or like an office shooting scene? I don't know. I guess we Yeah, could. and it does feel like shootings are uh, a thing that's very much in the public consciousness right now. And I think right. uh, it's like we are we're having a lot of discussions about that. And then it does start to feel like. Uh, like hey i'm a, i'm on gabrielle's team in the sense like of yeah uh, of most of the issues that she's uh, discussing but also it's like oh well okay we need to we need to get into this one as well right. and right. it's there's a sense of that but again it's like i don't know that drama was juicy and it was I very juicy enjoyed yeah. it and it's yeah. kind of a moment that's like it takes this book to a place though that's like whoa i just did not 
think we would be getting like shootings in right. a book that is about like people creating video games like right. maybe someone right. dies right but you get this more like oh if marks dies it's from like a disease or like right. something and we'd explore it through that lens and how yeah. that affects everyone but it's like no there's straight up like people shooting other people in real life not video games and life. just like so suddenly and unexpected for like yeah. not even great reasons you know he wasn't even supposed to be in there you like all these kinds of things that made it happen that made it so juicy. and he's literally yeah. like jumping in front of someone else like a hero out of an action yeah, yeah, movie yeah. you know exactly. like that's how he a dies. guy who it's... didn't listen to what he said either he right. was like leave and then the guy was like no and then now he's like well now i gotta go save you because you didn't listen and then i'm the one that's gonna get shot you know like that it just and it's like the, like the most noble like <laughs> heroic character like marks obviously has a few flaws but he is the most like straightforward good guy in the For whole sure. book i would For say sure. by a you know because sam like part of what i love about sam and sadie is they are so intensely flawed but flawed in ways that make sense given their experiences. I think especially Stam is like experienced so much trauma and had such a rough upbringing and had so few actual close relationships in his life that didn't weren't, didn't end in grief or betrayal. Right. That it's like, it makes sense. He's the way he is, but he's so so flawed and at times unlikable and it's like, but Marx is pretty much just an all-around good guy who's maybe a little bit of a, a, a philanderer or whatever, right, right? right? Like, that's his greatest flaw. And even that is like, oh, no, everyone likes him after they're done yeah. with the relationship. And he's and like, he's you know, so his best friend's nice girl like, kind of situation, yeah. too. But, you know, that was juicy as well. And, yeah, to have him just... Yeah go down and an interesting way they describe it too and i don't know if you listen to the audiobook at all but when they I do the not. chapter where it's like you're a bird like the whole narration was a woman voice actor doing the whole narration that chapter was a different voice and it was a male's voice oh really yeah huh. so you're listening and you're like what the heck is happening and you're like you're a bird and you're flying and then you're like get shot down or something and this is the end oh well and, and then you're like oh we're actually in the voice like this is marx's perspective you know like huh. that kind of it was an interesting device and that was like it you know it was a back to the female narrator when we're outside of marx's perspective but it, it was a nice little detail and it was a nice touch and as much as i say like oh she put so much in here it's it's all entertaining. Like, I get why she did it. You know, it's just interesting and fun and shocking to read. You know, it's what makes a soap opera so addictive and good. It's like stuff just keeps happening. And it's grounded in these characters that we've gotten to know for so long. So that when these things happen to them, there's other layers going on here. And it's executed in a way that's really smart. It's just, to me, it's like the main criticism people being like, oh, it's so long. And it's like... All these stuff. To me, there's just like clearly themes that are way more developed than others. Doesn't make it any better or worse. Doesn't make the book good or bad. It's just kind of funny where it's like really swinging for the fences. And then there's that chapter with the bird. And there's the other chapter where they're like in the video game. Oh, yeah. That's how she went for a moment. And probably (laughs) the like least interesting and like entertaining and most jarring part of the book. Like uh, my... Uh, my partner was just reading the book. She just finished it like yesterday or a couple days ago. And she got to that part and she was like, this is like not good. Like, did you like this? <laughs> like, did you like yeah. this part? Like she loved the book as a whole, but you meant right. like the, the parts where they're in the video game. And I think it's like, it's not even that it's not like, I didn't find it well written or didn't find it good, but it's just like, it comes right at the sort of tail end of a book that has not done that to right. that point. Like it never did right. anything quite like that. And right. then you're like, wait, what's happening? And you're almost, for me, I was like, how much of this book is left? And we're spending yeah. all this time doing yeah. this? And it's long. So, it is it's long. long. That's the only thing. Like it's kind of clever, right? Because here's a guy, yeah. Sam, who like 
can just cannot communicate his feelings at all. And he just makes this whole elaborate video game to like <laughs> entrap her and develop a relationship with her. And like right. that, which is so much more difficult it's kind of than beautiful just calling someone on the phone and way. saying, Hey, I miss you. Like, you know, maybe we should hang out sometime. Maybe, you know, form some kind of relationship. No. And instead he just does this whole elaborate scheme. And then of course, when she finds out about it, she's kind of turned off by it, and that further ruins and complicates their relationship, you know? So it's like that, that part is super, super interesting, but then it's like, Oh, I'm going to tell it from the perspective of being in the game. And I'm going to do like multiple days of her making board games and selling them in town. And yeah. we're going to like get their day to day for pages and pages and pages. And it's like, do we need that? Like, really? But then it's like video games are an escape. So maybe we do, you know, like you can kind of get that's what she's going for. But the fact that it only happens once so randomly, like right at the end of the book, and it doesn't really impact, like you could skip that chapter and be fine. You know, I, yeah, you I, could I think skip that... to like the last few pages of the chapter <laughs> yeah. where it's clear yeah. that he like made the game and right uh, and tricked her and all that right. stuff. Right. Which is a testament to love, but it's also super creepy and like deceitful as well. So you're like, yeah, it's a weird. Only someone who knows you so intimately and also is super talented at developing games <laughs> could pull off this huge gesture. You know, it's that like tons of people were playing, <laughs> and he just made it for his <laughs> friend to try to like interact with her because he misses her and feels bad, but can't communicate. And right, right. That's yeah, and it's weird. It's funny, like, uh, then <laughs> I, I don't really know how to pronounce her ex-boyfriend professor's name, like Dove oh, yeah. or whatever. It is uh, Dove. But, yeah. He, kind of from the see, that's where the audiobook comes in handy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like D-O-V. Right. Like, I think that's Dove. It's but, Dove. Anyway, yeah. Then he's like, I don't know. That sounds kind of like a romantic gesture to me. And it's like... Uh, in a way, it kind of is like, but right. also what's kind of cool about the the relationship is that they don't end up together at the end. Mm -hmm. And you even think like, oh, isn't this an easy setup for that where, oh, now Marx is dead and he's out of the picture and that <laughs> right. clears the way for right. him, like Sam to come in and they finally get together and they raise the kid. And then she just doesn't do that. Which right. is, to me, uh, actually like a strength of this book because it's so sure. easy. Sure. It would be so easy to do that. But also it's like in some ways and she gets into this toward the end, like in some ways their relationship is like uh, almost like deeper or at least more unique and mm. special in some ways than like right. a romance right. because – She's. I think she says something toward the sense of like, oh, I could be in a relationship with anyone. Like I could share that with anyone. I've shared that with multiple people in my life. And she's like, mm. I can only like create in this way with you. Yeah. And like maybe in some ways they can Great. never quite yeah. uh, like see eye to eye just interacting as people or coworkers or whatever. But there's some magic in the way that they connect at first through like playing video games together mm -hmm. and then through creating video games together that that relationship is just can't be replicated in the way that right. like she could theoretically meet another person down the line that she loves just as much as marks and they raise the kid together but it's like there's something special about their creative relationship that sure and they just know each not other at again. such a level and to such an extent that they can create together like you mentioned where she says like oh there's i can only create like this with you and there's some yeah. intimacy there that just interestingly does not translate to an intimacy like in a relationship and like they like they come close a couple times or maybe the opportunity presents itself multiple times and it just never works out and it's just really great character work and character development that it's like these characters are more intimate than like anyone else yet they never get together you know and, and there's yeah. many reasons why they can't you know because they're again, oh, it'd be a disaster it would be a disaster <laughs> yeah and they're two yeah. very headstrong people like very opinionated you know very successful but also there's just stuff that's happened in their past that 
could never be reconciled in that way. You know, it's Sam is just kind of that deceit that he's done. It was a gesture of love, but when you consider Sam's like romantic background and things like that, it's it, it's very well developed and very very interesting, and that's what makes it great. And one of my favorite moments is around the tongue, like following the Donkey Kong machine at the end and getting yeah. it delivered to her house or her office and stuff like that. And then she's going back to MIT and doing guest lectures and finding new purpose in that. And you know, Sam's staying in California and doing the whole business end and kind of being more of a recluse it's like yeah they're kind of finding their natural paths getting together doesn't make sense and there's like some kind of finality to that that feels good you know it's like a great way to end this story yeah but to leave that like last bit hanging where she gives him the game she's been working on again Mm -hmm. like parallel to the Right, and she the finds out that like, like he a, didn't play her game before or something like that. Like a different game was in the box. Remember, there was that whole portrayal. Oh uh, well, like there was yeah. Which so that whole thing was that it, she uh, there's something on the like on the I guess like where the cartridge was being stored uh, that would indicate that her and Dove were together. Right, right, right. And Sam knew that she was like super depressed and like he ended up giving her uh, the game or she, oh, okay. So it was Dove's game. It was Dove's game and like Dead Sea or whatever it was called. And Sam was inspired in some way with like Ichigo by playing Dead Sea, right. by using Sadie's copy of Dead Sea. Right. So and when Sadie, you know, Sadie was like, wait, for you to play Dead Sea, you had to open it. And that would have shown you on like where the cartridge was stored. Uh, that would have shown you that like Dove wrote this note that meant that we had we been intimately together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you sent me back to Dove to like get his help with the engine of our game like put her at knowing that i was depressed over probably a breakup with dove right and then later though marx is like actually like i was the one who took the game out like we did play it but i don't think sam saw that sam never sam wouldn't have done that you know if he had known you know he didn't but then sam is like but yeah, but then Sam, even when she confronts him, Sam doesn't deny it because he's so freaking like, yeah, yeah, like bad at communicating. Much more jaded also, at that like, point too that we're talking yeah. about decades later. Because instead of him being like, I didn't e- even do that or whatever, I'm pretty sure he's just like, so what if I did that? Like, who cares? We made a good game. Yeah. Like, and that's <laughs> right. only later. Marx is like, hey, actually, Sam didn't do that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it's so interesting. And and you're yeah. left. It's still, I guess, kind of ambiguous whether or not Sam, like maybe Marx misremembered. Maybe Marx was defending his friend. Or maybe blah, 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 Sam blah. could have inferred but, and knew anyway and still sent yeah. him, you know, like that. But that's totally what's beautiful that about happened. this book and the characters is like, yeah, Sam probably would do that. But did he? And <laughs> right. Sadie's also like being like she she was like assuming that he did that when she didn't know for sure and that like ruined their relationship that he supposedly did that and she never communicated that to him and it's like people do that kind of stuff all the time and that's part of why they feel so real and they're both flawed enough where it's like making sense and it would make sense even if sam did that and blah 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 but i don't know there's just something where like when do you get characters that are and when you get like situations like but also that, that are well so understood and, and developed, yeah. you know, it's like crazy. Like just that one situation is one of like a million things going on in this book all at once. I don't even know how Gabrielle Zevin p- pulled it off within her page count, you know, just the amount yeah. of intricate complexities, not even going on like narratively with the characters, but also with the themes and the relationships that that's what makes it kind of like a next level story so yeah it was interesting like again lots of fun stuff like lots of entertaining stuff was still able to happen and that's good like this could have easily just been misery on top of misery on top of misery and it kind of is but it's also very entertaining and endearing and and things like that as well like these characters do find happiness in their own way and and 
you like when these things happen you are shocked but you're also like i gotta see what happens next i gotta turn the page this is kind of fun you know so it never loses its sense of humor and the characters in a weird way like never lose their senses of humor not in a Mm -hmm. weird way that doesn't make sense but in a in a fun way where even when she's pissed at sam for (laughs) creating this whole game and blah 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 (laughs) she has her character die and then on the tombstone she has it read like uh, she hath died of dysentery which is their (laughs) inside joke so it's like these characters have so much like even when they betray each other, they have so much like love and caring for each other that she's like, well, I'm pissed at Sam and I'm done playing this game and I'm like, uh, not going to talk to him, but she's like, oh, but he's going to find this funny. Yeah. (laughs) And And also just kind of like these two professionals at the top of their game, right? Like leaving Easter eggs for each other. Like I'm still smart enough to do this. And like, like, isn't this a very clever thing I was able to pull off that only you would understand based off of layers of complexity of our relationship. You know, like you can't help (laughs) yourself at a certain point to come up with this like master plan, (laughs) you know, I I could totally see myself doing that. Like, yeah, I'm pissed at you, but this joke's too funny to to (laughs) pass up on, you know, and you're the only person, it's an audience of one, right? That this joke would land for. So I'm still going to do it. You know, it's like, I hate you, but I'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think uh, we've said it all. You know, we got to get that off of our chests, you know, with all the spoiler goodies. And you remember when we said it was going to be five minutes? (laughs) But um, it was probably closer to 15. But who's counting? Who is counting? It was fun. And it was a great book. Very talented author, for sure. Um, I hope, you know, I'm interested to see what they come out with next. You could tell that they were kind of swinging for the fences with some of the things. And now off the back of all this success, who knows what they're going to feel comfortable, like, swinging for and diving into. Like, this is clearly an author that likes to take risks as well as develop characters and themes. And those are all things that I really enjoy. So uh, I'm looking forward to the next the next work. Yeah, I expect to read whatever she comes out with next. I was thinking of picking up the book that she wrote, uh, the storied life of A.J. Fickery or whatever. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I was. I'll pick it up at some point. I don't know when. But maybe she'll write a yeah, book about I, two people that have a successful podcast and then all the, tr- the tumultuous relationship over the years. <laughs> well, I hope that we never have to experience anything near the level oh, of God. trauma that no. these two characters do have to experience. Because yes, uh, hopefully our know. lives are much know. more boring. <laughs> don't want, yeah, you don't want to have that interesting life. You have an interesting life, but not yeah. interesting enough to be as interesting as this book. <laughs> for sure for sure we don't need the the comas and the shootings and the yeah you know essay and all that stuff yeah so but for now though we've got a great show here great book you know great conversation always nice to dabble into the larger uh literary fiction and um stay tuned for next time where we'll probably talk mm. about something more grounded in the fantasy genre yeah, probably Farseer. Probably, Assuming hopefully Farseer. I mean, we've got who, some interesting interviews coming up. Like, you never know. But hopefully Farseer, maybe Friends Pitching Fantasy now that we've finished Farseer. Who knows? Uh, anything yeah. could be happening. Uh, but it's all going to be happening here. But it can't happen until after we play that sweet, sweet outro music. What do you say we get that pumping doing? Let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. All right. Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want to support the show and give us, you know, start a conversation over on the socials, go ahead and reach out to us on uh, Instagram at the FTF Podcast and Twitter at the FTF Podcast with What's Twitter one Charles? at the end. People are still <laughs> calling it Twitter. That's how people are yeah. saying it. That's what it's going to be until further notice. Now, Dylan, no, if they I'm like what they sorry. heard today, <laughs> I'm <team> Twitter. <laughs> want to support the show even more than talking to us over on Instagram and Twitter or X, if you insist upon it, call it X. Um, what else can they do? I don't insist, but I will say I was watching a Yankees game. Though I'm a Mets fan, get that wrong. 
uh, and they were like, oh, like, follow us over on X. And they put X in quotations. I was like, it's happening. So wow. I don't know. I I'm not happy like about a public it. public X yet, you know? I'm still here in Twitter, yeah. like on the news and, and articles. Right, and but it's going to change. I'm not happy yeah. about it, but I'm just telling you, in a couple years, everyone's going to say X. But anyway... You can toss five stars to our podcast over on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify is where most of you are listening. So just two clicks over at the top of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast feed. It helps us so much when you do that. You can also rate and or review, as I said, on Apple Podcasts. And uh, those reviews, you can write nice things about us. Someone just wrote something uh, very nice always it puts a smile on my face when you do that and uh, presumably on Charles's face as well but just listening is more than thank you so much for doing that well said Dylan just listening all the smiles and everything it's all happening thank you all so much we greatly appreciate it and as always go forth and conquer friends